Now let's turn in our Bibles to the passage of God's Word which we read. And let us read again, and as God would help me, I'd like to concentrate on verse 5. So we'll read verses 5 and 6. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And they said to the Lord, Increase our faith. I speak reverently. How is money like grace? I speak reverently. I'm not trying to be funny. How is money like grace? The more you get, the more you want. Now, why do you want more of something? Isn't there two reasons why we want more of something? We want more of something, first of all, because what we have does not satisfy. Am I right? Doesn't the Bible tell us, he that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver. So the more you get, the more you want, because it doesn't satisfy. But there's another reason why we want more of something. It's the opposite reason. The very opposite. Because it does satisfy. Isn't that why the disciples are asking for more faith here? Isn't that what the disciples meant when they said, Evermore give us this bread. We like food. We enjoy it. We say, oh, give us more of that, please. That's satisfying. Here are the disciples of God. They've got faith. And they ask the Lord for more of it. So as God would help me, I'd like to look, first of all, at faith. And then secondly, the increase and growth of faith. First of all, faith then. Now, the important thing to remember about faith is its object. Faith does not actually save. Faith in Christ saves. It's Christ that does the saving. I remember when I left the printing trade to go in for the ministry, I always remember a customer coming in to me and saying, Oh, George, I've heard you're leaving the trade and you're going in for the ministry. I says, George, don't worry about me. I've got my faith. I said, Bob, what in? 
he looked at me and he said George I've got faith I said Bob what in what in oh he said don't worry about me George I've got lots of faith I said Bob what in he didn't know (coughs) he didn't know faith requires an object you don't just have faith you have faith in something or better still in someone let me give you an example I've maybe used it here before which you'll forgive me if I have suppose I want to cross a river and there's two bridges in front of me and I'm told now look one of these bridges will support your 17 stone but the other will not but I've forgotten which one it is you'll have to work out yourself so I look at the bridges and say why right I'm going to put all my faith in that bridge on the left I'm going to put all my faith and I, I really put all my confidence and my faith in that bridge on the left on the left so I go across it and halfway across I fall into the water that's not my faith that let me down. It's the bridge that let me down. Nothing wrong with my faith. But I had it in the wrong thing. It's Christ that saves. Not faith. Listen. Probably, probably, the average Buddhist has more faith than some of us. Most of us. They burn themselves to death. They pour petrol over themselves and burn themselves to death. It's their faith, they say. But it's their faith in Buddha. Listen, I had to do a course in Buddhism to get my open university degree. And I I was dreading it. I was terrified it would destroy my faith. But do you know what it did? It strengthened it. And when I did a course, when I did the section on Buddhism I discovered this they don't believe in the eternal world Buddhists don't believe in the eternal in God it's all in Buddha if in fact Buddha himself the, the original one said if there is a God it's nothing to do with us faith doesn't save it's what your faith is in that saves and only Christ can forgive our sins and only Christ can take us to heaven so we ask rightly now tell us what precisely do you believe about Christ in Christ how is it you think Christ can forgive your sins and take you to heaven well number one who he is he's God the second person of the Godhead But I have faith in him. Christians have faith in him because of his work. His work at the place called Calvary. We sometimes forget, do we not, that that Friday afternoon there were three people crucified. Does crucifixion mean all your sins are forgiven and you can forgive anyone you want? 
What about the thief that was on the left? He was crucified. Can he save you? Well, why is it the one in the middle you believe in? Because my Bible tells me Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ paid God for his father as the judge of all the earth for all the sins of every person that will be in heaven that puts her faith in him. Our sins, if you're a Christian, if you believe in and on Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Full stop. If you believe in Christ. Christ has paid for them once and for all at the place called Calvary. Is that true or is it not? Is it true or is it not? Come on. What do you believe? Do you believe that the man on that centre cross that Friday afternoon, when he cried out, It is finished! He was referring to the payment, the substitutionary payment of all the sins of all his people who believe in him and who will be in heaven. Do you believe that or do you not? Very important. That's faith in Christ. It's Christ that paid for your sins. Not faith in anything or anyone. Faith in Christ. Christ atoned for sin. The sin of the believers. So, we have to have faith in him. Because of what he did. Well, I suppose, first of all, because of who he is. Then second, his faith in his work. But secondly, faith in his word. What he has promised. You see, he's God. He cannot lie. Do you believe that? Do you believe God cannot lie? Christ is God. (laughs) And he has put in writing, and you can check it up any time you feel down. Any time you question if you're a Christian or not. Read John 5, 24. Most assuredly, most assuredly, I, the second person of the Godhead, say to you, he who hears my word, and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but has passed already from death unto life. That verb has passed could literally be translated that person has already passed from death to life. That's why you believe. 
The Holy Spirit has made you believe. It's not that if you believe you will one day be saved. Right? The moment you believe you are already saved. Do you believe that? Come on. Do you believe it or do you not? The Son of God said it and he put it in writing for you and for me to check up today. His work. Christ is the only saviour because of his work, because of his word. And we could add, I only added this this morning as a matter of fact, another W-O-R. Faith in Christ worships Christ. Unless we go the stage of personally committing our souls to Christ, we're not saved. I'm sure I've mentioned here before there are very, very few people very few intelligent people anyway who do not believe in the crucifixion of Christ there's too too much evidence that he has but there's no personal I mentioned open, when I was doing my Open University it just reminded me when we're doing the Christian section I was so encouraged when our tutor gave us a lecture on the crucifixion. Spot on. Very biblical. Spot on. And I was chuffed. And I went to him afterwards and I said, oh, I'm so so pleased to hear you're a Christian. Oh, he says, I'm not a Christian. I says, wait a minute, you gave a wonderful exposition of the crucifixion. Oh, yeah, he says, I believe it happened. But I don't believe it was taking away God's sins at the cross. I have no personal link with him. I'm not a Christian. Are you? Have you made use of that information? I remember once uh, we had a, actually it was a Bible study with one person, one person, just trying to explain the gospel with him. And we went through just just the Bible, the gospel, just trying to just trying to explain the gospel. He had no problem whatsoever with saying he was a sinner. No problem whatsoever. And then we got the gospel. Do you believe there's no other saviour but Christ? Oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I says, do you believe he can forgive every sin? Yeah, yeah. So I said, so you're a Christian? Oh, no, 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 no. I says, tell me, what's the difference between you and me if you really believe that? Oh, he says, you're converted, I'm not. He could not bring together the fact that he was a lost, helpless sinner. He couldn't connect it to the fact Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. I says, make use of that. Bring them back. Are you a sinner? Yes, I'm a sinner. Christ died for sinners. Yeah. You see, the first acting of faith is not really Christ died for me. It's not the first acting of faith. You should come to that. 
The first axiom of faith is Christ died for sinners. All kinds of sinners. And I'm one of them. I'm a sinner. Therefore, therefore, I can get in there. I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm a sinner. Christ died for sinners. He paid God for the sins of all who believe in him for salvation. The gospel isn't something academic. It's something personal, real, vital. And we have to have transactions with this Jesus. We have to personally commit our souls to him and say, I can't change my ways. I can't keep the standard up. Help me. Take me over. Indwell me. Regenerate me. Change me. And he will forgive if you only believe. Well, we better move on to what I meant to concentrate on. Secondly, the increase of faith. The increase of faith. The disciples had faith, but they wanted more. What they had satisfied. We want more of this which satisfies Christ. I want more of Christ. What do you make of Christ's reply here? They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, if your faith is a grain of mustard seed, you'll be able to do this and that, and it'll obey you. Just, I, I, I was, I mean, well, uh, what do you make of it? What do you make of it? I couldn't make I couldn't understand it for years and years until someone said to me, we were speaking about it, and he said, ah, I see. It's not the amount of faith that's important. It's the proper use of the little bit you have that's important. Because a grain of mustard seed, a grain of faith, is able to remove a mountain if it's used properly. It's the use of faith. A grain of faith is sufficient. You see, faith is not like building blocks or bricks. You're building a wall and then you finish all the blocks and the bricks and the, oh, I need more bricks to finish it. Faith is not like a brick or a stone or a, or a block. Faith is like, as the Saviour said, a grain of mustard seed. Plant the grain. Water the grain. And the grain grows. That little grain grows into the largest of all plants where the birds of the air take their nest. So the Saviour is saying in one way, look, you don't need more. You need to use what you have already. Use that properly and it will grow. So, 
we ask the question, how do we use faith properly so that it grows? Well, any doctor will tell you if you want a child to grow, he needs food and he needs exercise. That's certainly what little faith needs. Food and exercise. We're to feed on Christ. How do we feed on Christ? He's not here. We don't eat him like a cannibal. What does it mean? Well, Christ being the second person of the Godhead, becoming man is the word made flesh. He's the word made flesh. We feed on Christ by feeding on the Bible, on the scriptures, the word of God. Young Christ, the, the Bible calls, the Bible itself describes itself as milk. Milk for the young Christian. And it describes itself as strong meat. Strong meat for the mature Christian. Food and water. You cannot grow... I I really get worried about uh, people who say uh, they're Christian. But, oh, I'm not into the Bible. I'm not a reader. That, That worries me. That worries me. Christ is the word made flesh. We learn about Christ. We feed upon Christ by feeding on the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to what the Bible is saying, discussing the Bible. We feed upon Christ by enjoying the Bible. It's our food and drink. Now, it's not just food which a child needs. It needs exercise. So, what do we learn from the Saviour here regarding the exercise of faith? You remember when Christ was in the, the boat with the disciples and Christ fell asleep. A storm arose The disciples thought they were perishing and the Saviour said to them in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 25, where is your faith? See, they had faith, but they didn't exercise it. It's like a grain of mustard seed, but they didn't use it. Where is your faith? Matthew puts it this way, O you, ye of little faith. Use your little faith. And through that, your little faith will grow. Now, faith does not, in fact, cannot grow alone. You see, how do we grow our faith? By growing in other things. The Bible tells us, grow in grace and in knowledge and in knowledge 
<clears throat> our Bible tells us that we're predestined. Actually, you don't read in the Bible anywhere you're predestined to salvation. Did you know that? It doesn't mean that. But not, there's no text in the Bible that says you're predestined to salvation. What does it say? You're predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, how can we become like Christ? That's sanctification. That's growth. That's preparation for heaven. Becoming Christ-like. But tell me, how can you become Christ-like unless you know what Christ is like? And how do you know what Christ is like? The Bible. Grow in grace and knowledge. Where do you get knowledge about Christ? Your TV? The internet? Well, you will get things there. You will. But you grow it through the revelation from heaven about Christ. The word. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. Peter tells us in his second epistle, add to your faith. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, self-control, etc. Paul tells us the same, well, he mentions the same virtually in Galatians 5.22 when he speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc. So, how do we grow? How does our faith increase? Well, grow in other virtues. Grow in other graces, not just faith. The fruit of the Spirit is actually a basket of mixed fruit. I don't think it's in the Bible. Fruits, plural, of the Spirit. I don't think you find that. I'll have to check it up. Check up on me, as you should always check up on any preacher. What does the scripture say? It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit. Everyone, everyone, every Christian I mean, every Christian has the germ seed of every Christian grace. Every Christian fruit. You've got the germ seed. Grow it. Right. The first, the first fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned more than once in the Bible is love. You want to grow in faith? Grow in love. Faith, the Bible tells us, faith works by love. The theologians say they're the inseparable twins. <clears throat> they're uh, like two Two sides of the one coin. Two sides of the one coin. Love and faith. Faith works by love. You want faith to grow? Love more. Practice loving a Christian you don't like. There's plenty of us. There's plenty of us. Some Christians just aren't nice. Some of us just aren't nice. 
but we have to love them because Christ loved them and Christ said love one another he gave us the 11th commandment now listen loving someone does not mean you have to think they're nice as I said because some of us aren't loving someone doesn't mean you have to think they're nice loving someone in the Bible means do something kind for them just because Christ died for them not because you think they're lovely practice loving a Christian you don't like because Christ died for them by increasing love you increase faith because faith works by love Grow in faith by growing in obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, do you love me? Show it by keeping my commandments. We have to practice keeping the commandments just because Christ said it. Just because God wants it. Just because God tells us. Sometimes, you must be like me. You get in a situation and you say, well, the right thing to do is this, but it's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work. I don't see it, but it's, it seems foolish to do this, but it's what it said. Young couples courting say, well, it makes sense to live together. First it's easy. Are we going to get on with each other? Makes sense. Keep the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Just because I said it. Not because you think it might make sense. They actually all do make sense in the end. But sometimes in the predicaments we get ourselves into in this world, it doesn't look like it makes sense. In the end, in the end, and let's face it, in the end, when's the end? When you come to leave this world. What then will be important? What then will be important when you come to leave this world? But did you obey him who loved you and gave himself for you? We will all have to say, not as we should. We have not loved, served, obeyed as we thought we should. But he will forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, very much aligned to obedience is submission. What's the difference between obedience and submission? Here's my take on it. We obey commands. We submit to God's will. We submit to providence. You see, I can be keeping all the commandments. I can be keeping them all. Not doing anything wrong. Keeping all the commandments. And then God gives me cancer. I'm not happy. That's a sin. That's a sin. I'm not agreeing with God. A sin. 
we submit. I'm keeping all the commandments, but I don't like what God's done when he's given me cancer. I'm not agreeing with him. That's sin. So, it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing, isn't it, friends? We don't agree with God as we should all the time. We don't agree with what he's doing sometimes. How do you grow in faith? Just submit to providence. Just submit to the truth. God knows best in the end. In the end. Yes, there's Yes, there's pain first, struggle. But in the end, all things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God? Do you love God? Is your faith in God? How do you increase your faith? Submit to that awkward, awkward providence. Another way to grow in faith by growing in service. Do something for Christ. Do something for his people. Do something for another Christian. Do something for the church. Because you read in the Bible, I've got three verses here to quote. I'm not going to, oh, here, I'm not going to the time. Time's up. Um, three, we're saved to serve. Saved to serve. Oh, there's another couple of things before we finish. I'll, I'll hurry. How are you going to grow in faith? Now, this may not apply to many of you or any of you. I, I, I don't know you all. But there's no way you're going to grow in faith if you despise and neglect the very thing your Saviour gave you as a means of grace, as a means of growing in faith. The Lord's Supper. Eh? And, and don't come up with, oh, I didn't get the strength. Aha! And are you taking your food? Isn't that one of the quest first questions the doctor asks? Are you off your food? What's your appetite like? Of course you'll be weak if you're neglecting the main supper he gave us for our growth and our increase in faith. <laughs> and the last thing. God has appointed something else as a means of growth. Do you know what it is? Trouble. Tribulation. Problems. Through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. There's no other way. You can't dodge it. You want to grow? I always remember an older Christian saying, not to me particularly, but to a few of us that were in the room, be very, very careful when you pray for more faith be very careful you're praying for more problems how does faith grow how does the athletic coach teach his pupil 
to be stronger. Hey, do another lap. Come on, your chart, do another lap. That's how you grow in strength. It's the same. It's a principle, it's a general principle of God in the world and in the spiritual world as well. There is no such thing as growth without a struggle. Don't let anyone tell you the Christian life is easy. Oh, it's glorious. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, it's blessed. But it's not easy. Get that right. God has ordained trouble as a means of grace. We need patience. Uh, I've seen one of these mod Christians with their t-shirts and uh, on the back of it I saw once, be patient with me. God hasn't finished with me yet. We're a work in progress. Not till we close our eyes in death will we become uh, our souls are made perfect in holiness. No shortcuts. There's no shortcut. Listen, blessed be God. There's instant salvation. Blessed be God. There's instant forgiveness of sins. No such thing as instant holiness. No such thing as instant sanctification. It's a work in progress, bit by bit. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Right, in conclusion, how do we get all these things? There's no button to press. Oh Lord, more faith please. No. We have to work at it. We're not involved in our justification, but we are involved in our sanctification. Two questions, or two answers. How do we obtain this faith? Well, how do we get it fertile? How do we get the grain? If you're here and not a Christian, how do you get the grain? Here's a verse. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then being evil, if you evil people, not Christian, if you evil people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to his children? Come on, is that right? No, that's not the gospel. What's the gospel? Luke eleven thirteen. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to whom? To them that ask. Are you here? You're not a Christian. Ask God for his Holy Spirit. You've got it in writing from heaven. Ask God for his Holy Spirit to indwell you. Get the grain that starts it all off. Okay, you've got the grain. How do you get more? Is there a text you can give us for more? Well, 
There's a text, yes, there is. Faith comes by hearing. By hearing. That, that, that could be translated. The word hearing could be translated, and is translated in the authorised version anyway, by the word report. So let's spell it out. Faith comes by hearing a report. A report about Jesus. A report like this. This man receives sinners. You're a sinner. Receive him. But you've got this grain. How is there a text for it growing? Well, you feed on Christ. and Christ is the word. Here's the word. He says, you've got that grain. You say, yeah, but it's only a grain. And I don't know. I haven't mastered this working it out properly. He says to you, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. And as I'm sure you've heard a hundred times, the original has five negatives. I will never, 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 never. But in English, one negative cancels itself out. Well, it doesn't in Greek. It strengthens it. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Here's another one. You, God, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. Stay your mind on Christ. And you'll grow in faith. Grow in Christ is growing in faith. Faith doesn't save. But Christ saves. But your faith can be, that connects you to Christ can become stronger by meditating more often on Christ. May God, the Holy Spirit, make his word effectual to every one of us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, be pleased to take the things of Christ and to make them ours here in this place, even now. Reveal Christ to us as the only Saviour in the whole wide world. Make him all our salvation and all our desire. Hear us in mercy Answer us in peace as we pray only in Christ's name. Amen. We'll conclude by singing from Psalm 71. And we'll sing verses 16 to 19. Psalm 71 at verse 16. I'll read the four verses. And I will constantly go on in strength of God the Lord and thine own righteousness, even thine alone, I will record. For even from my youth, O God, by thee I have been taught, and hitherto I have declared the wonders thou hast wrought. And now, Lord, leave me not when I old and grow-headed grow, grey-headed grow, till to this age thy strength and power to all to come I show. And thy most perfect righteousness, O Lord, is very high. Who has so great things done? O God, who?
who is like unto me. Psalm 71, verses 16 to 19. And I will constantly